Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Glad you guys and gals are with us. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Psalm chapter 66 as we continue on in our uh, study and our musical approach to the Psalms. I really enjoyed and want to thank again our worship team for what they're doing every single week of learning a new Psalm, putting it to music, Joel, doing the research and, and finding that, and then in many different ways that we've had the opportunity to either sing it and respond in worship, to, to listen to it as we respond in the Lord's Supper, and it's just been a wonderful time and a wonderful blessing, and I know uh, that's a part that I look forward to each and every Sunday. Well, before we get into this, I do want to remind everybody, you guys saw it on the video of our Harvest Hangout tonight from 4 to 6. So let me say this, you guys want to be here for this. Uh, We are excited about all that has gone into and and hearing some of the games that that people have come up with and designed to have here. It's going to be an exciting time. Um, It is from 4 to 6. We have some people say, well, is it okay? We've got a party that we want to get to at like 5 or or 5.30. Absolutely. If you can't be here at 4, this is a kind of a come and go event. You don't have to stay for the whole time. And in typical Willow Ridge fashion, right, you don't even have to show up on time for this one, right? And, and you're, you're good with that. Uh, but there will be food. Uh, we will have hot apple cider, hot chocolate, hot coffee, right? No iced coffee. None of that is happening here tonight. Um, there will be games. There will be candy. We've got a photo area set up. There is a hayride and there's going to be s'mores as well. And so we want to encourage you how the night's going to unfold is we're going to have most of the activities and events either set up on the walkway up here as as you come uh, in, in on the parking lot or in the bottom two layers of the parking lot. And so as you come, just park on those top ones is where we'll have you. But we're excited about all that is going to happen and be a part of this tonight. Well, as we look at Psalm 66, I want to kind of share with you a little bit. We've been trying to understand the context of each of the Psalms that we've looked at. We talked about the fact that David, King David, David the shepherd, David that killed Goliath, right? He wrote most of these, but he did not write all of them. And so each week we've tried to understand some of the context and the setting of what we understand. We've looked at one that David wrote. We looked at one in week two that was a Psalm of Ascent that the people would actually sing as they journeyed up the hill to the temple in Jerusalem of what they would declare. And last week we looked at one that we are pretty certain was written by King Hezekiah in a time where the city was under siege and and on the verge of being occupied. So this morning in Psalm 66, there's, there's some opinions about who wrote Psalm 66, but there's no driving uh, evidence that here is the individual that wrote this. But what is interesting as we look at the 66th Psalm is that we can point to the fact that this is referred to oftentimes as a psalm of the missionaries. That what we'll see in in Psalm 66 is that the psalmist who writes this will, will write this out of a heart of missions and out of a heart of celebration because of what the psalmist had experienced, because of what the psalmist knew. 
Because of what the psalmist was called to, there is this explosion of joy that came from his heart, and this is where we find this psalm in its setting. And so that's why I showed the video that I showed beforehand. Because I think it's a continual reminder, and it's a lot of what we're going to look at this morning, of the continued global work that God is doing and the role and the opportunity that, that you and I have to play a part of this. And, and the beauty of, of what I love about our denomination and the denominational work that we're a part of, if you, if you saw the IMB is the Foreign Missions Agency of the Southern Baptist Convention, and it's the wonderful reminder that all of us as Southern Baptist churches, as we gather in our separate spaces, as we preach our separate messages, as we work through the autonomy of each and one of us as a local body, as a local congregation, there is a beauty and the togetherness of the work that we're doing. And so right now, all over this world, there are men and women, there are missionaries being mobilized out of the faithfulness of the churches and out of the faithfulness of the congregations, you, so that as we give and as we give to the IMB and as we give to the cooperative program, that there are men and women and children who were waking up this morning with an opportunity to hear the gospel that yesterday they didn't have the opportunity, right? They didn't have the opportunity. All right, this is message one. We'll get into this in a second, all right? But like, I saw some visitors this morning, and I'm so glad that you're here. And at the end of it, I'll, me and my wife will be standing back here toward the welcome uh, desk over here, and we'd love to talk to you, shake your hand, learn your name, and, and just thank you for being here. But, but for all the, the visitors who were here this morning, right, like there was a bunch of churches you could have gone to, a bunch of good churches, great churches, gospel-sharing churches, right? We could get on our phones this morning and download podcasts. Our, our church has one. Most churches have them now. We could get on TV and get everybody's favorite TV preacher, Dr. Charles Stanley out of Atlanta, right? And we could listen to him. We could go back and look on YouTube and look at Billy Graham and look at the things that are, that are posted up and, and everywhere. And you and I have the overwhelming opportunity to hear, see, and respond to the gospel. But actually, we're going to look at it in just a little bit is that there are so many men, women, and children who don't have that opportunity. There's not a church to go to. There's not even a Bible written in their language right? And as God's people, we can't be okay with that. And so we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to be a part of the largest mobilizing Christian missionary organization in the world, right? And so thank the IMB for all that they're doing, and I thank you guys for your faithful giving so that we can support that. So let's get into Psalm 66. I'm off my soapbox. Y'all know me. I'll jump on a couple more before we get done. All right, all right. Psalm 66 starting in verse 1. Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sing praises to you. They sing praises to your name, Selah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. He passed, uh, they passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves." 
At the very beginning, and this is why this is kind of set in the, in the heart of, of the missionary movement of God that he's called us to, what we see is a global invitation written by a Jewish author, a Jewish psalmist at the time, what we hear in verse 1, shout for joy to God, not all of Israel, not all of God's covenant people, but shout to joy uh, to God all the earth. The global proclamation as the psalmist is inviting who all of the earth all of the peoples to praise God. And he does this for a reason. The, the psalmist says that there is a reason why all of the earth should praise God. Not only then, but even still today of what we're going to see in the context of Scripture. He, he, he says this, kind of, kind of paraphrasing. Praise God for all that he has done. And then he gives some examples, the, the psalmist does, uh, of what he has here. All that he has done as he turned the dry sea into land and as they passed through. And the examples that he gives, praise God for all the glory he has done for Israel. And the question is, why? Why should the earth, as the psalmist writes this, whenever the psalmist, whoever it was, why should the, the, they look at all the work that God has done for Israel and praise God? What's God doing? What's God showing with Israel, as we look at these psalms written in the uh, recorded in the Old Testament, I think it's important for us to remember what God is showing, what God is displaying. That that when you and I, when we look through and as we read Old Testament scripture, we read it through the knowledge of what you and I have been able to learn in our present day and time. But at this time, right, there is no virgin birth of Jesus. At this time, there is no cross. At this time, there is no empty tomb. At this time, there is no Pentecost. At this time, there is no church. But God's display of all of this, of the showing what God will do, of the showing of what is to come, is Israel. And so God in his sovereignty, God in his knowledge, God in his goodness, God in his grace chose for himself a nation, chose for himself a people, chose for himself Israel. And what God did, and we can look at this and project this onto our life of what we've experienced in Christ. He saved that nation. He freed that nation. He made promises to that nation and fulfilled them for that nation. And most importantly, he said that from that nation, would come a savior and this would be the nation that Jesus would come from and when God promised this all the way back in Genesis 12 it's not just so that Israel would be blessed but it's so that Israel would be blessed so that Israel would be a blessing Jesus to the world right Yesterday, Aaron and I uh, were out kind of doing some shopping. The, the kids spent the night with their grandparents, and uh, we had an opportunity to just kind of have a day uh, to ourselves, and, and so we went and kind of had a, a midday date. Went out to, out to lunch together, super old people, early lunch. Like we were eating lunch by 11. It was fantastic, right? I was ready to eat dinner by 2.30 and be in bed at 3, but that didn't happen, right? 
But we did that, and then we're, we're leaving, and I don't know if, you, if you've heard this, but, but like, so you can, you can Google it, you, you can check it. I, I don't know what all is going on with things anymore, but there's going to be a Christmas tree shortage, supposedly, right? I don't know if y'all knew that, but they're saying prepare for a Christmas tree shortage, which is just terrible. And so she said, do you want to go to Lowe's? And we're like, we'll look at some Christmas trees, and evidently Lowe's got word, because it's like, like we'd have to refinance our house, you know, in order to buy an artificial Christmas tree. But, but here's what clicked with me, all right? I, I know today is October 31st. Today is Halloween. But Christmas is coming, right? 55 days, Christmas is going to be here. Now, the people, like, there was a handful that were like, woo, right? And here, here's the woo. These people already have their Christmas trees up, right? Like, they do. They've been listening to Christmas music since July, right? We pray for them, right? Right? All right, let's, moment of confession. If you're a visitor, man, this is the rawness of our church, okay? Moment of confession. How many of you right now in your house have some form of Christmas decoration? Up, raise your hand. That is fantastic. That, and here's what I love. Here's what I love right here. People are like, we do. We, we're so happy. Yeah. Y'all are like our buddy the elves of Willow Ridge Church, you know? I'm in a store and I'm singing. All right, there we go. I love y'all. Where is this going? <laughs> Christmas is here in 55 days. And when Christmas is here, we're going to remind ourselves. We're going to remind ourselves why we celebrate Christmas. And we're going to think about the gift of Christ. God took on flesh born of a virgin in a manger, sent to die for us. And we're going to sing songs about it, and we're going to tell stories about it, and we're going to do a sermon series about it, and our small groups are going to talk about it, and it's going to be their continuously reminder over and over again. And we celebrate that, that God came for us, but let's also remember that Jesus came not just for us, but Jesus came for the world. And as of this morning... As of this morning, sitting in my office, going and looking at the most recent statistics, there are 17,410 people groups in this world. What is a people group? A people group is, is how we look at all the peoples of the world in, in missions. And a people group is an ethno-linguistic group with a common self-identity that is shared by its various members. And so the nations of this world within them have different people groups. In fact, people groups also mobilize and migrate to other areas of the world. So a people group, so like the United States, for instance, is filled with many different types of people groups. But then also within there, there are people groups like the different Chinese people groups. And, and, and there are many different Chinese people groups that aren't all just in China. They, they've moved to all different places all over the world. And so here's the statistic that I want to stick in your mind. Of the 17,410 people groups, 7,398 of them are considered unreached. That means to be an unreached people group, that means that accounted for within that people group is less than 2% Christian. And what that means is 42% of the earth's population is accounted for in these groups. 
Which means for the most part that 42% of the world woke up this morning with very little to no opportunity to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't mean, and this is important for us, that 58% of the world is saved. What that means is that at least 58% of the world has more than 3% who are saved. The latest statistic that I heard about South Carolina, right? The heart, like, churches everywhere. Kitty Waite right down the road, great church, right? Churches all around us, Lexington, Baptist, First Baptist, Lexington. Churches all over the place, wonderful, wonderful churches. But that in South Carolina, only 33% of the people of South Carolina now identify as Christian, right? Why am I sharing all this? We can't forget while we're here. We can't forget while we're here. It has to be unacceptable to us. It needs to affect our budgets. It needs to affect our wallets. It needs to affect our prayer time. It needs to affect our heart for the vastness of the lostness of this world and the promise that God has that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm hoping as we go into this different season in, in life of our church, and this is what typically happens over November and December, that we can be reminded of that. And on Sunday evening, November 21st, we're going to kind of stop our normal programming and instead have on that evening a night where we are going to focus in on missions and prayer. And so I want to take some time during the service and, and, and share with you a little bit of the details. And, and I'm, I've got to leave some of those details out, and, and I'll explain why. But on, on Sunday evening, November the 21st, we're going to gather back here at 4 o'clock that evening. And we're going to have a missionary who's going to be with us, a missionary family that's going to be here with us. And for the security of him, his family, and the people that they've been ministering to, we cannot share his name or the country that he's from, or a whole lot of details because of security reasons. But I can share with you that they have been ministering for years in a very prominent war-torn country that is all over the news and has been all over the news for years. And they've been serving there faithfully as missionaries, and this country represents some of the largest unreached people groups. In fact, this country as a whole is 99.8% lost. Right? And he's going to be here, and they're going to share. And we're going to have the opportunity to ask questions, and we're going to have the opportunity to gather and to pray for all that God is doing and how we can be a part of that. We're going to offer child care for some of our really, really small, really, really young kids, babies, toddlers in that age. But for the most part, we're going to ask that all of us, uh, younger kids, all the way up through all of our adults, are going to gather in here. One of the beautiful things that Dawn and, and, and them have been doing and her team have been doing in our kids' ministry 
is continuing to pour into the hearts of them about missionaries and to learn about missionaries and to pray for missionaries. And so they've been doing that as a part of who they are. One of the things that our student ministry has, since before I got here, has been built on a foundation of, and Moses is carrying that and running with it, is a heart toward missions of exposing our middle school students and high school students, not only with the, with the concept of missions, but with the tangible hands-on opportunity to go and serve. And so from everything to serve the city, great job and blessing so many people here in Lexington to going off this summer and mobilizing our students to, to work in so many different areas with people who also don't have an opportunity uh, to share the gospel. And so we want to gather everyone kind of in here in this room where we can hear and where we can talk and, and where we can ask questions and, and begin to understand and have the impact. Because it has to be not okay that 42% of the world woke up this morning with no opportunity to hear about Jesus. Because 42% of the world falls into 100% of the world that's going to die and going to have to share an account. And the people of God, we, we can't be okay because it is a global invitation. Paul writes in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, why we do this. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, let's pause here. Another statistic that I read this week, 50% of people in the United States who say they are Christian also state that they believe there are multiple ways to God. That's false, that's a lie. So that at the name of Jesus, Jesus alone, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, right? The call of the nations. Let's look back at, continue on in Psalm 66, verse 8. We're going to go out from, from, from they to our. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip? For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. So we're going to go out from the nations and look in to a people proclaiming. The, the psalmist moves from the, from the call of the world to a call of the people Israel. And, and he says that anyone in this, anyone in Israel has a reason to praise that if anyone does, it should be them. And he points out what, what God has done from looking back, that God had rescued them from slavery, guided them through the wilderness, took them into their land, gave them victory over their enemies, gave them their inheritance. He gave them his law. He gave them his sanctuary. He gave them their worship. He gave them their priests to guide them. He gave them the prophets to speak to them. And for these reasons, they should celebrate. But he continues on and gives them more. 
The psalmist is going to focus in on in three verses right in the year of what we just read of even more reasons of why the people of God, even abundantly and on top of all of these things that God has done. Look back at verse 10. He says, for these reasons, for you, O God, have tested us and you have tried us as silver is tried. What the psalmist points out of why the people of God, Israel and us today, of why we should continue on in the celebration of what God has done is because of the refining process that God takes us through. Now, I was reading about how silver is refined. And what they would do with silver, what is done with silver, is as silver is refined, it is put under heat. And as the heat is turned up more and more on the silver, what happens, and and as the stress of that is placed onto the silver, it causes the imperfections of the silver to rise to the top. And so that as they rise to the top, as everything else that's in there that's not supposed to be, that takes away from the purity of the silver, what happens at that point is you can't reach down in there and grab it, right? So what happens at that point is it's an, an air is shot over it so that it is blown away. And that it is removed from it. And what the psalmist says is that when we feel the heat, that when we feel the fire, that when we feel the stress, that when we feel the circumstances, what we need to do is not say, why me? What we need to do is not throw a pity party. What we need to do is to rejoice because this is what God is doing to us. Because this is what God is doing in us. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, the apostle Peter, who would die for his faith, says this in 1 Peter 1. In this you rejoice, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when these things come up, When God, whatever language, I don't care anymore, whatever language you want to use, whether God's allowing it or whether God's doing it, God's using it. And as God uses it, he's refining, he's bringing from. And what Peter says here is that you can rejoice in this. (laughs) And so as I look at my own heart and I ask to speak to yours, I ask you this question. Are you complaining or are you rejoicing? Are you complaining or are you asking, or are you rejoicing? And I know for me, this passage is a, script, a piece of scripture to remind me to stop complaining, to start asking and looking. When these trials happen, start asking what God is doing and looking to see what the fire has brought to the top. God, as I walk through this, why? Show me, Lord. Give me the reminder. And as the imperfection, as the sin, as the struggles, as they come to the top, I can celebrate in the beauty of God because of what God's doing, and then I can watch God remove it from me. All for his glory in his name. And in these last verses in Psalm 66, 
The psalmist has looked at the nations. The psalmist has looked at his people. And now in a beautiful perspective, he'll look at himself. Verse 13, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats, Selah. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. And so the psalmist looks at all of this within himself and he says, because of God's call to the nations, because of what God has done for his people, the psalmist says, I'm going to respond. This brings me, this draws me to an individual response of myself within my faith of who I am, of what God is doing, and what we see here is an individual offering. And he writes in the joy of what God is doing and in his response to it. And there's two offerings that we're going to see, two types of offerings that we want to notice and and look at and, and at this point in time challenge ourselves and our lives. The first one that we notice is the offering of sacrifice. He says, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will offer to you the burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. The psalmist says, based off of God, what you have given to me, based off word of what you have blessed me with, I return to you. And I do it with praise, and I do it with joy, and I do it in a way that's going to honor and glorify you. So let's kind of talk about this for just a minute, right? God doesn't need your money. I want to say that God doesn't need your money, but God wants your heart. And here's what I found in myself. This is Bo Life Lesson 101 that is ring true in the lives of so many others. God knows and we know that God wants our heart, but here's what we find, that so often we give our money to what already has our heart. What already has captured us, what already has all of our love and our affection. And so in the Old Testament, they brought their sacrifice. It's very evident. The the sacrifices that are here are sacrificial. They are costly. They are precious. They are valuable. Right? So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? When we look at the wholeness of the Scripture, right? I mean, let's be honest. We're not bringing the fattened calf to church anymore, all right? So what do we do? We bring our tithe. We bring our tithe. 
What rang true in the Old Testament and continued on, in fact, in Old Testament, right? Uh, we look at the individual tithe of 10%. When you look at the Old Testament tithe, there were three different tithes that were given. The one that continued on. And God says, bring your 10%. And we give it to the church. In the Old Testament, it was given at the temple. In the New Testament, it was given to the church. Off the top, in the beginning, this is who we are. And this is God's demands and expectations for us. So I can't. What has your heart? I don't want to. What has your heart? I don't trust. What has your heart? And so we give our tithe. Not because God needs it, but because God wants you and God wants me. And what we get to experience is the blessing that comes from it. And it would be easy to stop and put the period and say, amen, we're done, and then there's that. But what we also continue to see in the Old Testament, what rings true today, is not only the calling of our tithe, but the calling, calling of the offering. And that's the above and beyond. That's what's extended to that. And what is remarkable about what God has done, there's the, there's, there's the grace of, of, of the freedom of, of where we go and what we do with that. And so I'll share with you what, what the Bradberries do and share with you what I know the many that I've encountered do. We give the tithe, we bring the tithe into the church and then in the above and beyond and the offering of what's there, there's the freedom and the grace to pray and to see and so we partner with missionaries. Missionaries like the missionaries we saw on the screen, missionaries that aren't there, to go above and beyond to do who have left all of what they know behind. We partner with church planners who have left the permanent security of a salary to go and to serve a people who don't give, but based off of the faith that others will. And so we give to them. We're given to additional opportunities to bless. Those grace moments that God gives you in the line at the grocery store. The moments that God gives you as you scroll through Facebook and you hear the story about the individual who's hurting and who doesn't have. The opportunity to bless when you're sitting there at the stop sign on the side of the interstate and there's a person holding up the sign that doesn't have any food in their stomach. The opportunity to bless the single mom that you work with who doesn't know how she's going to get by from next week, much less take care of her kids for Christmas. And the opportunity to simply say, Lord, you've blessed me. It's my opportunity to bless others. And so we have the opportunity to bless. We have the opportunity to bless each other within the family of God. I think one of the, one of the most remarkable things that I see time in and time out I saw it as a youth pastor and still continue to see it as a senior pastor. Is the senior adult, once we start announcing summer camp, you know, mission trip, to come forward and say, you know, those times have long passed me, but can I help give to someone else who can go? The opportunities when we see mission trips and people say, I can't go, but let me write a check so that others can go and so that the name of Jesus can, can happen. It's an opportunity for us to give our offering of sacrifice. Right? 
A sacrifice that acknowledges the thank you to God, but more importantly says that I trust God with all that I am and all that I have. If you're sitting here this morning, I want to speak to the skeptic really quickly. If you're sitting here this morning and you're like, man, there's another pastor that just all he cares about is money. Let me just say, I don't care about your money. I know what one family gives at this church, and that's the Bradberries. One. But I care about your heart. And I care that God does with you in every fiber of your being all that God wants to do. And I know, and I'm there too, man. I like to hold my stuff back too. And I know the more that we hold, the less that God can use us. And the more that we say, God, you have it all, is the moment we begin to understand what it means to live in an abundant, blessed life before the Lord. Not only does the psalmist write about the offering of sacrifice, but he writes about the offering of the soul. What is the offering of the soul? Raw honesty between you and God. The beauty that I love about the relationship that I have with my wife is Aaron and I can have real conversations with each other. I love it. I can say things to her that may hurt her feelings, and she can say things to me that may hurt my feelings. But there's a trust that is there between the two of us that it's a raw and it's real and we're working through some things and I've got to share. I know I may, I may be wrong. I know you may be wrong, but we got to work through this. And it's the beauty of our relationship. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes we walk away and our feelings are hurt. Sometimes we walk away and we got to wrestle through some stuff, but the beauty of, of our marriage, and we got tons of stuff that we've got to work on, but I'll say the beauty of what I cherish about who God's made her to be in my life, and I hope who God's made me to be in her life, is the raw honesty that we can have with one another. And here's the thing. If you say, I don't have anybody like that in my life, yes, you do, and it's God. And the burdens that I could never lay before my wife, I can bring all of that to him. Every single part of it. And it's what the psalmist points us to. The psalmist shows us four, and I'm going to wrap up quickly. We're running out of time. The psalmist shows us four in, 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 in chapter 66. And the first one is in a lament. And he said, I cried. I cried. Church, I don't think that's figurative. I think it's literal. When's the last time you cried before the Lord? A realness and a trust that's there. A lament is a cry that comes from loss. And when we walk through that and when we experience that, verse 17, I cried to him with my mouth, right? And high praise was on my tongue. How can this be? Because when we lament, when we cry out to God, what he reminds us of is his faithfulness. It's his faithfulness of who he is with us, in the midst of it, going through it with us, carrying us, sustaining us, strengthening us. And you guys know that have been there and walked through that. You know what the deepest, darkest moments of your pain, the kindness and the goodness of what God gives oftentimes is not to remove the situation, 
but is to remind us that his faithfulness is there with us so that we can continue on as an offering of the soul and reminder of our commitment. And high praise was on my tongue, the commitment of praise, so that as we're reminded of his faithfulness, as we lament before him, we can also commit our praise to him because we know who he is. And so we're committed. We're bought in. We're invested. And when we know who he is, we can have a declaration. The psalmist writes, if I had cherished iniquity, if I had done this, but Lord, remember, I've been purified, I've been refined, I'm going through the process. You know, I thought about this. So many times when we come before the Lord, and I'm this way, and there's a beauty of the confession. There's a beauty of the repentance, of all the bad that we've done. Like, I need to get it out. I need to lay it before you. I need to lay it down. I need to ask for forgiveness. But so too often of times, we look at all the bad that we've done in our interaction with God that we forget to acknowledge that all the good God has done in us. How many of you used to be someone, and now you're someone else, and you know it's all because of Jesus? Right? You used to be this, not no more. Bring it to God. Are we praising Him? Are we a declaration of not what we just were, but of who we are now in Him? And then lastly, it ends in verse 20, and we'll conclude with this. Blessed be God, the praise of God. The praise of God. The psalmist writes, I'm going to read all verse 20. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer. We bless God because he hears us. We bless God because he hears us. And then lastly, or removed his steadfast love from me. Not only the fact that we praise him because he loves us, but we praise him because he loves us and he won't remove that from us. He won't take it away. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to fight for it. We didn't have to earn it to get it, and now we don't have to earn it to keep it because it's who God is in that. That's the hope of what we have in the gospel. The gospel for the nations, the gospel for God's people, and then the gospel for us. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord, thanking you for who you are. Lord, this morning we lift up, Lord, those 7,000 people groups this morning. Lord, who don't have a way or a means, Lord, we pray for the mobilization of missionaries, men and women all over this world to carry the hope of the gospel. Lord, we know that means they'll have to embrace persecution. Many will have to embrace poverty, difficulties, but it's done for an eternal good and it's done for an eternal glory of your name. And so, Lord, shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his wonderful, of his precious, of his glorious name. Lord, I pray for us as a people, as a church, as an embodiment of Christ. Lord, that we will respond because of what you've done. Lord, just as you saved Israel, you've saved us. 
You've brought us out of the slavery of sin. You've guided us through the lostness of our life. You've given us victory over Satan and hell. You've promised us an inheritance that's eternal. And one day we will step into that promised land. Lord, may we bring this to the nations. The hope that we have in Christ and Christ alone. Lord, and as individuals, may we come forth this morning with our offering. Lord, both in our offering of sacrifice, Lord, it's all yours. But to give back what you've blessed us with as an opportunity, Lord, for us to grow our trust and faith in you. I'm going to say, here, Lord, here it is, it's yours. But even to stretch and look beyond that. Lord, who are you calling us to bless, to come alongside? Lord, you want our hearts. May we give it all to you. Lord, may we come to you in a sacrifice of the soul, a willingness and an honesty before you to cry out in our loss, in our grief, to celebrate who you are in our commitment of praise, or to declare who you are as you've saved us and redeemed us, Lord, into all that we have and all that we are to bless your wonderful name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.